Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome to the Any Given Friday podcast. This is episode 24 of season 3 here on February 28, 2020. We appreciate everybody tuning in. My name is Justin Hubbard. I am the sports editor of Lake Oconee News. And normally about this time, I would welcome in Will Petty, the editor of the Baldwin Bulletin, one of our sister papers. Uh, unfortunately, Will had something come up in his schedule that he had to handle uh, relative to the paper that always comes first. And so I'm going to give it an abbreviated show today, kind of flying solo here. I don't I don't think I've ever done this before. Maybe our very, very first episode a few years back, but uh, it's going to be interesting. I hope you bear with me. Uh, I, I'm not really keen on talking to myself, but uh, over the course of Christmas and New Year's, we had about three weeks there where we did not produce a show, and I just don't want to go another period without an episode again. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to talk to myself for a few minutes here. I'm going to try not to go too, too long. I'm going to touch on a few different sports. Uh, I'm going to start off with some uh, Major League Baseball spring training stuff. Then I'm going to talk about some recent developments with Georgia football, both positive and, unfortunately, one negative. Then I'm going to finish up by talking a little bit of pro wrestling from the world of the WWE and all elite wrestling. So it's going to be a different show this week. Hope you bear with me, and uh, let's jump in here. Now, long-time listeners of Any Given Friday will know that Will Petty is not a, uh, a fan of baseball, really by any stretch. So normally we don't talk a lot of MLB. Uh, last week we had planned to discuss uh, this first topic, however, uh, but... We had some scheduling issues, and we had to kind of fly through that episode, so we wound up cutting it at the 11th hour. But I want to touch on it this week, because this story is not going away. The Houston Astros, for those who may not know, and if if you're a sports fan, I I don't see how you couldn't know this, but uh, they were recently caught in a cheating scandal. And just to be sure I don't skip over anything, I'm going to read this from Wikipedia, Yes, this is a brand new uh, scandal that just developed back in, I don't know, January or maybe even December that far back. And it's already got its own Wikipedia page. And uh, again, just for the the sake of being factual, I want to make sure I get everything out there for those who may not know exactly what the situation is. So I'm just going to read this verbatim, so bear with me for a moment. Again, this is from Wikipedia. And I understand Wikipedia is not a completely reliable source, but I'm, I'm, I'm... fairly certain all of this is 100% fact based on everything that I have heard uh, on this ongoing situation. It says, for years, other MLB teams had suspected the Astros of stealing signs. Details about the team's activities were first publicly reported by journalists Ken Rosenthal and Evan Drellich for The Athletic in November 2019. Mike Fires, a pitcher who played for the Astros of 2017, told The Athletic that the organization used a video camera in center field to film the opposing catcher signs to the pitchers. Astros players or team staffers watching the live camera feed behind the dugout would then signal to the batter what kind of pitch was coming. MLB opened an investigation into the allegations and in January 2020 confirmed that the Astros illegally used a camera system to steal signs during the 2017 regular season and postseason, during which they won the World Series, as well as in part of the 2018 season. MLB found no evidence of illicit sign stealing in the 2019 season, 
in which the Astros advanced to and lost the World Series. Continuing, uh, as a result, Astros general manager Jeff Luno or Lono and field manager A.J. Hinch were suspended for the entire 2020 season for failing to prevent the rules violations. The Astros were fined the maximum allowable $5 million and forfeited their first and second round picks in the 2020 and 2021 drafts. No players were punished because they had been given immunity by MLB in exchange for their cooperation. The Astros subsequently fired both Luno and Hinch on the day their suspensions were announced. And, of course, this uh, details the uh, Boston Red Sox involvement in this with Alex Cora and whatnot. But that's not really relevant to what I wanted to talk about today. And that is the fact that MLB spring training just started over the last week plus. And in only five games, seven Astros batters have been hit by intentional pitches. Or yeah, I should say intentionally hit by pitches. And it's it's all a player response to this investigation and more importantly to these punishments or really the lack thereof that were handed down. Yes, there was a hefty fine, the, the biggest fine the MLB could levy against the Astros, $5 million. Hinch and Ludo were suspended, later lost their jobs. But these players got off scot-free, basically. I mean, there's... There's a, a big asterisk for a lot of people around them and around those couple of seasons. There's a lot of people who have lost all respect for those guys and just, you know, they, they were fans before. Maybe they're not now, or maybe they're kind of indifferent before and now they're rooting against them. But beyond that, there has not been a punishment for these players. And throughout the MLB, teams and uh, individual players have sort of taking it upon themselves to police this. And they're doing it the old-fashioned way by beating uh, the Astros with pitches. I'm on the record as saying I'm not really for that element of old-school baseball. I understand why it's there, but for me, I just don't see the value in intentionally putting an opponent on base and, you know, opening up the door for a run to be allowed, if, you know, if not more. But this all stems, whether you agree with it or not, this all stems from the way that MLB Commissioner Rob Manfred handled things um, and his you know, post-investigation, post-punishment comments have only made things worse. Um, and we've seen star players such as, I think Cody Bellinger was the first really big name to speak out against Manfred and uh, his handling of this situation. And then we saw guys like Mike Trout, who is in my opinion, undoubtedly the best player in baseball today, and Nick Markakis. Now, both of those guys are notoriously kind of quiet and reserved. They're not big, you know, personalities. They're they're not the kind of guys who, you know, are going to be in the commercials and all that kind of good stuff. They're not really out there. They're, they're more straightforward, business-minded about the game, and even they have gone on the record with some strong words, Markakis in particular, uh, sort of anti everything that, that happened in the fallout of this and kind of saying how ridiculous it is the way the MLB handled all of the fallout and whatnot. So it, we're, we're already seeing that come into play here in spring training. Like I said, seven players hit in the first five games of action. And you got to think this is only going to continue. It's only going to get worse. This will be a situation to follow the entire season. I don't know what's going to happen with the umpires. They're kind of in a tough spot. You know, I, I think in recent years we've all kind of lost a little bit of 
you know, appreciation for the umpires because there are a few who constantly make bad decisions, bad calls and whatnot, and the replay system is largely flawed. But those guys, you gotta you got to admit, they're in a bad, bad place right now because they're the ones who have to police this on the field every game. And there's really no clear direction from the MLB about what needs to be done. So I don't know what needs to happen. I don't know... I don't know what, if anything, Manfred can do now that the investigation is complete. I don't think he could retroactively, you know, suspend players or fine them or whatever the case may be. But I think he has to, it has to be Manfred publicly, I believe, because of these comments that have been made against him and, you know, kind of calling him out and everything. I think he and the MLB collectively need to get a handle on this without punishing the other players who are involved outside of the Astros. There needs to be some way to shore this up, or else it's going to be a really, really messy season of Major League Baseball. And we can't talk baseball without, of course, mentioning our local Atlanta Braves, fresh off of two consecutive National League East championships. Uh, They have begun uh, spring training, of course, We've seen a pretty good outing so far from Felix Hernandez, the longtime Seattle Mariners pitcher. The Braves and Braves fans hope he has a, a new lease on his career. And uh, through one outing, I think he's he's proven that that could be the case. He could be a solid veteran presence to have in the uh, dugout this year. Ronald Acuna, I know, has already had a couple of big hits. Freddie Freeman had kind of a scary moment over the past week where his surgically repaired elbows started kind of swelling up and giving him some discomfort. He was not able to play uh, one of the recent games, but he says he's fine. The doctor has uh, the doctor who performed the surgery has said that there shouldn't be any kind of issue, that this is nothing to worry about long term. So uh, the Braves and fans and players, everybody involved has got their fingers crossed that that will be the case. So with spring training in full swing now, it's uh, it's getting close to first pitch for the regular season and I'm going to twist Will's arm. We're going to talk some baseball if we keep going, uh, just the two of us on this podcast. And uh, it'll be kind of hard to ignore once the regular season kicks off. But I'm excited, and uh, you know, I think it's going to be a fun season of baseball around these parts. Well, let's switch over to college football now and talk about the Georgia Bulldogs. Like I said at the top, there's a couple of mixed developments that happened. And uh, we'll get the negative out of the way. On Tuesday night, Senior defensive player Devontae Wyatt was arrested by athens Clark County Police on a misdemeanor charge of family violence and criminal trespassing. Um, not a, a good look there for him at all. Uh, head coach Kirby Smart came out with a very, very strong worded statement and really kind of put the hammer down. I, I think there, there have not been too many consecutive, um, you know, slip-ups or, you know, illegalities or you know bad situations I guess we could just get that blanket statement from the football team over the course of his career as the head coach over the last what five years now but there there has been you know and a couple of bad moments we had Jeremiah Holloman last year who really really had a, a big mistake there that cost him his his spot on the roster and so I think Kirby has gotten to the point where he's Kind of fed up with this sort of thing happening. Yeah, reading through the police report, it doesn't sound like this was quite that bad. Definitely not as bad as uh, the Holloman case, but not a good look at all to be arrested, first of all, but also to be arrested for a, a, 
domestic or uh, family violence, you know, charge, even though it is a misdemeanor. So I'm not sure what exactly is going to happen with Wyatt. It doesn't sound like there's enough to force him off the team, but I, I think at some point he is definitely going to see some punishment from his head coach. Well, more positive news before the Devontae Wyatt situation arose, Georgia got a pretty massive win. And that happened when they brought in former, now former, Alabama strength and conditioning coach Scott Cochran. Cochran coached under Nick Saban back in the day at LSU. And since 2007, he was Bama strength and conditioning coach. So he was there for all six of Nick Saban's national championship runs at Alabama. So this guy brings a, an incredible pedigree. And I think he is a major reason behind Alabama's depth. I think the fact that every year Alabama loses big-time players to the draft, and then every year after that, there's always a new star to take their place. That directly goes back to the strength and conditioning program, no doubt about it. It starts with recruiting. You have to bring in the the high-level players, but when you get them there, you have to coach them up. You have to make them even better and, and enable them to perform on the field. So the fact that Georgia brought in the guy who was a part of all of that with Alabama under Nick Saban is a major coup, in my opinion. And of course, he's not going to be strength and conditioning coach at Georgia, but he will be special teams coordinator. But you, I mean, these, these staffs, they're kind of interchangeable with their roles and everything. You got to know he's going to be involved at some degree with the strength and conditioning program. So that is exciting news for Georgia fans. And credit to Nick Saban. He was kind of classy with uh, his statement regarding Cochran, saying that, you know, Cochran loved what he was doing with strength and conditioning, but he was ready to move to an on-field role, and he'll have that now at Georgia. So I think all parties are kind of excited for this change, and uh, it's going to be interesting to see what kind of effect this has on the Georgia football team. Well, our last topic for this week is going to be uh, the same as our last topic for the last several weeks now. Professional wrestling. It's uh, an exciting time in the world of pro graps, as Will Petty likes to call it. And I guess I'm going to start off by talking a little bit of uh, WWE. First, I have a correction. Last week, Will and I discussed the impending return of John Cena. Will and I said that that was going to happen on last week's episode of Friday Night Smackdown. Of course, that was not the case. He is returning tonight. I don't know how we we both messed that up without catching it, but unfortunately we did. We try to be as factual as possible on this show, and if we make a mistake, we try to edit it out. And that was one that we just did not catch at the right time. So unfortunately that one did make the air, but uh, we are human. You know, we we always make mistakes, and uh, we we normally do a good enough job of cropping all that stuff out that it doesn't shine through, but... Uh, you know, that is one slip-up we had. I just want to make mention of that. But he will be on tonight's Friday Night Smackdown, John Cena. They're doing a great job of hyping that on social media. It makes me think we're in for a major development tonight. So, some, some quick thoughts on WWE. I think most of today's time is going to be spent talking to AEW. Uh, but as we discussed last week, Charlotte Flair and Bianca Belair of NXT were uh, kind of continuing a little bit of a grudge between each other. Even though the Charlotte and the Charlotte storyline, I should say, for WrestleMania is against Rhea Ripley, and I think I mentioned it myself that I was fine with the two of them, with with Charlotte and Bianca having a singles match, but I did not want to see Bianca inserted into the WrestleMania match to make it a triple threat. On Wednesday night, we got that with Charlotte defeating 
Bianca Belair in a singles match on NXT. So I'm hoping that if they if they keep up anything between the two of them, that they keep doing it like that. That they keep it on television. They keep the the two of them away from Rhea Ripley, and and maintain that WrestleMania matchup as a singles match. So I'm happy with that. It's nothing against Belair. It's just I think three is a crowd. And frankly, I don't want to see a single one of these women cheapened or see their their roles lessened as a result of a triple threat match, and Bianca Belair included, of course. Uh, there's a, a, a renewed excitement for me for this Women's Elimination Chamber match that's coming up on the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view uh, shortly in a couple of weeks. It's going to pit Natalia, Liv Morgan, Shayna Baszler, Asuka, Ruby Riot, and Sarah Logan against one another. The winner, of course, will get to face Becky Lynch for her Raw Women's Championship at WrestleMania. I think I speak for just about everybody who watches Raw that you know we're expecting it to be Shayna Baszler who wins this match. That is the storyline. There is enough interplay between the rest of these women that I think there's a good out for every one of them to lose the match. And so I think it's going to be exciting, even though it will probably be a predictable finish. I'm very much looking forward to that. And here are some, some live notes for you from the uh, Super Showdown show. I recorded this podcast on Thursday afternoon, and the Super Showdown is uh, is rolling along as I record. So i uh, just run down a couple of results here with some quick thoughts. It looks like The Undertaker made a surprise return. Not very much a surprise return, but, you know, uh, if, you, if you follow social media, you knew he was there. But uh, he popped up and defeated AJ Styles to win the two-wake, I guess is how you pronounce that, trophy gauntlet match. There was a long-time rumor there that Undertaker and AJ Styles were going to fight each other at WrestleMania. So I I don't know what this does for that, if that is still the plan. I, I'm very curious to see how they get there. I, I don't think this trophy should be part of that, frankly, because these Super Showdown shows don't really mean anything in the grand, grand scheme of things. They're a money grab. So I'm curious to see how they get to AJ versus Undertaker if... That is still the the plan for Mania, and if it's not, then I I, I don't know who could be the Undertaker's uh, next WrestleMania opponent. So uh, things could get very interesting with those two guys here over the next I don't know month month and a half. The New Day, Big E and Kofi Kingston drop the SmackDown Championship SmackDown Tag Championships, excuse me, to the Miz and John Morrison. Uh, kind of an interesting development there um, I'm, I'm not really crazy about the the repairing of the Miz and Morrison but they, they've got some time to sell me on it I'm, I'm a fan of both of those guys it's just not really clicking with me yet so I'm curious to see how they keep building him up and I don't want to see the new day slip down the ladder either so I'm anxious to to watch the, all of that unfold on uh, Smackdown Live Angel Garza defeated Humberto Carrillo and let's see, Seth Rollins and Buddy Murphy uh, retained the Raw's Tag Championships against the Street Profits. Monsoor defeated Dolph Ziggler. And Brock Lesnar defeated Ricochet in one minute and 30 seconds to retain the WWE title. Wow. Um, not a surprising result, but, I mean, goodness. Give Ricochet a little more time. He's too good for that. So that's some, some quick thoughts there on... WWE Super Showdown, like I said, that is unfolding as I record. So 
Uh, anything else that happens after this, um, you just got to find about it, find out about it through the internet. Well, as I said at the top of the show, Will Petty could not be with me today, but for this next little portion to close things out, uh, he will have some input. Uh, I'm going to be talking uh, about a few matches on the AEW Revolution pay-per-view card. Uh, Revolution airs tomorrow night, Saturday at 8 p.m. on pay-per-view. And uh, there, there are a handful of really big matchups coming for this show, and I'm going to kind of preview those for, for right now. Uh, there's an AEW women's title match between Nyla Rose and Chris Statlander. Uh, here's what uh, Will Petty had to offer, and these are very, very quick. He's uh, a busy man for uh, for these couple of days here. Will says that he is a, a fan of Chris Statlander, but he believes Nyla Rose will retain. I agree. Uh, Rose just won this championship from, uh, excuse me, from Riho just a couple of weeks ago, not too long. So they're building her up as a monster heel, as a very dominant force. You cannot take the title off of her in her very first defense. That's that's pro wrestling 101 right there. So, yeah, I fully expect Nala Rose will retain. One of the best told stories that we have seen in pro wrestling in quite a while, in my opinion, is the story between Cody and MJF. And I think this match is going to be great. It, it could possibly steal the show uh, because it is such a deeply personal story between the two of them. They've told it expertly. We kind of broke it all down last week, uh, Will and I did, on, on our episode uh, 23. So if you want to hear more of our thoughts on that, be sure to go check that out. And uh, we're, we're both very excited for this match. We have enjoyed the build. I think from a, a traditional storytelling standpoint, Cody should win this match. He's jumped through numerous hoops. He completed uh, a few different stipulations that NJF set forth to earn the match in the first place. So... I think, again, traditionally, this is where the baby face comes through and conquers the, the villainous heel and, and, and finally completes the journey. However, I think there's definitely a potential for AEW officials to give this win to MJF. And if they do, it would probably, of course, be in a dastardly heel kind of way that's kind of a cheap win. But, you know, if they, if they want to pop the crowd, this is a great time to do it. And... uh yeah, I, I'm very, very interested to see where they go from a storytelling aspect with this rivalry. I don't know how to call it. I'm going to say Cody wins, but again, I, I'm going to hedge a little bit and say don't be surprised if MJF has his hand raised at the end of the match. The AEW Tag Championships will be on the line. Uh, Kitty Omega and Hangman Page will defend their titles against the Unbucks. And here is word for word what Will Petty had to say. Maybe Kenny Omega will do something that makes us see his talent. Uh, we've discussed in the past we're not too thrilled about what they're doing with Omega in AEW these days. So, uh, <laughs> very very understandable commentary there from Will. I I think they lose this match and lose their championships. Uh, the story that's being put forth is that uh, number one, there really is not a cohesion between Kenny Omega and Hangman Page. And they're, they've sort of kind of introduced a little bit of an alcoholism storyline here with, with Heyman Page. And, you know, the fact that he wins a match and he goes and celebrates by drinking a beer with one of the fans. Um, it's an interesting wrinkle. I, I don't want to see that become the entire focal point. But I believe the fact that they have teased so much that Omega and Page 
are not completely on the same level with one another. I think that is going to play into the, the finish of this match. I believe we could see some you know, miscommunication in the middle of the match that you know leads to um, them slipping up at the, at the very last second and dropping the championships. And from there, maybe they do a singles feud. I don't know. But I think, uh, I think one way or another, they're going to lose those championships to the Young Bucks. And finally, the AEW championship is on the line. Chris Jericho, the champ, will defend against John Moxley. Will Petty says, anything with Jericho is gold, so that would be a great championship match. I agree. I think this is going to be a fun one to watch. I, I'm pretty sure the inner circle, those members are going to play a part in it. But, you know, I think Chris Jericho, while he was the perfect guy to be the first champion, of AEW. He's an established name that everybody knows. He's a bona fide legend at this point. Even though he's done an amazing job, even though he was 1000% the correct choice to be the company's first champion, I also think it's time for him to pass that on to John Moxley. Let him carry the torch for a while as the, the top guy in the company because the fans are certainly rallying around him. He is a, a wildly popular a wildly talented performer. And in the words of the returning John Cena, I believe the time is now for John Moxley to take the reins of the AEW Championship. And I think we'll see that happen Saturday night at Revolution. Okay, folks, that's going to do it for our show this week. I appreciate you bearing with me. Uh, hopefully, Will Petty and I will be back together next Friday. And we hope you'll come back and check us out then. See ya. Thank you for listening to Any Given Friday, the official podcast of Lake Country Sports. Check back next week for another brand new episode.